0: I have a question for you, and, and uh, this is a very important question, because this question either leans your heart forward or reveals that you're leaning back too much and you need to lean forward. My question is, are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. You're leaning forward. You have a sense of expectation that, you, that, that God is going to meet us here And reveal something to us and you say, Pastor, do you really believe in God's revelation? Well, today we'll talk more about that and you'll have your answer. Uh, But I want to share with you that we are embarking upon a very, very, very special sermon series. Last uh, sermon series was Jesus is Coming. And uh, I had so many good comments about that. But I think this sermon series is going to be even better than last sermon series. How many of you know that God goes from glory to glory? He reveals more and more and more of his truth. And he just wants to draw you closer and closer and closer. And so I, I am excited about this sermon series. I want to let you know that this particular message is an overview. I shouldn't say an overview. It's a foundational message. That's a better way of putting it. It's a foundational message of, upon which the other messages will build. And so I'm not going to cover everything there is to know about the subject that I will introduce today, but hopefully you'll have a much better understanding and a biblical foundation by which you can start to to have the other messages really unfold God's truth in your life. And so I want to share with you that the word detox has a very specific meaning. The word detox means a regimen or treatment intended to remove toxins and impurities. A regimen or treatment. But let me ask you a question. What if you don't know or don't realize you need a treatment? What if you have no idea there's a problem? Let me ask you another question. What if you sense there's a problem But you don't know quite what it is. Hopefully today you'll start to get a better idea of maybe where we need to detox. And then as we go throughout the series, you'll get a better and better understanding of what we need to stay away from, what the regimen needs to be, and how we can get the most out of the Christian life. Because after all, Jesus Christ said, I came, I came into the earth that you might live life in the fullest way possible, in a full way. And the reason I'm, I'm speaking in these terms is because sometimes we don't even know how bad we feel. You know, I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day. You go, oh my gosh, you listen to Joe Rogan? Well, anyway, um, I, I don't listen to him religiously. I just listen every once in a while if, if the podcast catches my attention. But he was talking about how bad he used to feel and didn't realize it. Until he started taking care of his health, and now we realized how awesome you're supposed to feel, and that many of us walk around feeling bad, and we think that's just the way you're supposed to feel. G- Does anyone get the sense that, hey, there's got to be something wrong, because I shouldn't feel this crummy? And so I started kind of looking up on YouTube, because, you know, that's, that's the, a wealth of knowledge there. <laughs> And you can never get in trouble watching stuff on YouTube. Uh, of course, I'm being facetious. But I started looking up just the idea of health and how I could be in better health. And, and I started getting um, these doctors, these experts, videos. And they were talking about uh, most guys have trouble, and it would have, they were hitting something that I have trouble with, because I've been trying to lose weight, and I've been trying to lose this particular little bit of love handles that are kind of gathering here, and I'm trying to keep up with my wife, because I'm tired of people saying that she's my my daughter, she's not my daughter, she's my wife, now I'm blessed, believe me, I'm blessed, but I want to I wanna look good, you know, and I'm realizing that the closer I get to 50, it's getting harder and harder. And how many of us know that these young guys that come around and they say these goofy things and you just want to grab them and shake them? You never shake a baby, but you can shake a young man, right? And you just want to shake the young man who goes, oh, I can eat whatever I want. Well, guess what? When I was 21, I could eat whatever I want too. When I was younger, I could do all of those things and abuse my body and it would just bounce back. But when you get closer to 50, you know, you can't just eat whatever you want. And the doctor was saying that we have such a high uh, sugar diet that one of, the, one of the most harmful things that we can do to our body is to run it high on sugar and have it produce so much insulin. And he was talking about the effects on your liver and how you can develop a fatty liver and he was talking about the effects on your blood and your blood vessels because of the sugar molecules and he was talking about the effects of insulin on your body and all of these things and it can it can lead to prostate issues it can lead to cardiovascular issues it can lead to inflammation and arthritis and I'm going oh my goodness I need to chill out on the sugar because, and I didn't realize that. Do you realize I could eat, I could eat dessert at every meal and then it snacks too. I could eat dessert all the time and I just, I'll eat dessert before the meal and then I eat the meal and then I eat dessert after the meal. And my wife's saying yes, because, and I'm starting to realize, and this is the thing. As you realize the truth, you're set free. Because now I can't look at sugar the same way I once did. I can't be comfortable with it. My, my wife had a, uh, they had a uh, bridal shower here. She brought home a cupcake and I bit the cupcake and I started to eat it. I was like, man, that's so good. And then all of a sudden, that advice started going through my mind and I literally spit it out. My wife goes, what happened? It was bad? I said, no, it was so good. But if I keep eating it, I'll eat the whole thing. And I want more, and so I spit it out because. And and today I want to start to show you the truth of the mystery, so that you'll never be the same again. So that you'll understand the way God created you and the way He wants you to live free and live at the highest level possible. To get the most out of life, I want to show you what He meant when he rode to the Thessalonican church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Read with me. Now may the God of peace... I want to highlight some things because you're going to see that word peace characterizing the way God wants you to feel. He wants you to know that He's a God of peace And that if you are a Christian, if you are alive in Christ, you are no longer at enmity with Him. You are no longer at odds with Him. You are at peace. Some of us need to get detoxed in that area because we're feeling too much anxiety and worry and we need to be feeling peace. Amen? And some of us are walking along going, I didn't know I could feel better. Today, God wants to tell you, yes, you're supposed to be at peace. Now may the God of peace himself, notice I'm never going to get done because I'm going to go every word. Who? Himself. Why is that significant? Because I want you to see that he's not delegating this to someone else, some angel or, or even some pastor. He wants to do it himself. Why? Because you're important to him. You are important to him. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Now what is the word Sanctify. That is a technical theological word which literally means, listen to me very closely, a theological word which literally means he wants to set you apart. What do you mean he wants to set you apart? Well, Jesus said this, Lord, I pray. And this is when Jesus said, my peace I leave with you in John. And then he prayed for you. And he said this, he said, I pray, Lord, that not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the world. So God is saying, yes, you're going to be in the world, but you're not going to be of the world. Meaning you're going to be set apart. You're going to be different. You're going to be saintly. You're going to be made holy. You're going to look more like Jesus than you thought was possible. Come on now. Can someone get an amen in their heart and say, wow, wow, that's what I want. Sanctify you. Now watch the word he uses next. Completely. I'm never going to finish. We're going to be here through the third service. Did you know there was this much richness in God's word? May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Some of us need to get that deep down in our heart because we think that God just wants to do a half work. God doesn't do anything halfway. He does it completely because he is perfect. He is a perfect God and he wants to deal with you completely. Not halfway. Now watch this. And may your whole spirit, notice, not part of your spirit, your whole spirit, not part of your soul, your whole soul, and not part of your body, your whole body. What does that mean? You completely, he wants to make different. He wants to save you from start to finish, from head to toe, from inside out. He wants to do it all, and he wants to do it himself, <laughs> himself. He wants to get involved with you. Amen. Watch. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that word blameless? That means he's not going to stop until you're perfect. Until you're perfect. You know, John Wesley believed that. And you say, oh, well, John Wesley believed in perfectionism. John Wesley believed in God's word. And he said, if God didn't want us to be blameless, if God didn't want us to be complete, if he didn't want want to do it completely in us, he wouldn't have put it there. And if he put it there, I'm going to... Come on. And if he put it there, then I'm going to have the nerve. I'm going to have the guts. I'm going to have the faith to believe his word at his word. And if he said it, then by my, my golly, I'm going to believe it. And you go, but who was John Wesley? John Wesley changed his country. And when that wasn't enough, he came and changed ours. By the preaching of God's word. Believing it to the point that he would say, yes, God really wants to do it completely. We can live at a higher level. Some of us need a detox from the mindset that we're supposed to live down here. God wants you to live up here. He wants you to live up here. So you say, okay, pastor, what do you want me to know? I want you to know that he wants to do it all in you. Body, soul, and spirit. So today I want to talk to you about the difference between the body, the soul, and the spirit. And I put it from least to greatest. Paul did it in the opposite. He started with the spirit, soul, and body. From greatest to least. So there is a progression and there is a level of priority how do we know this because god says things like this don't fear the one that can kill your body fear the one that can kill your body and your soul he's talking about him because god can what call you home and if you're not saved he'll throw your soul in hell you say whoa 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 that's that's hard preaching it's god's word preaching Some will be saved by God's goodness. Some will be saved because they don't want to go to hell. Who are you? I'm a little both. Amen? So monism, dichotomy, and trichotomy are three different theological points of view in dealing with the body, soul, and spirit. I'm not going to get too technical, but I just want to use these technical terms to have you know that the monism believes that we are one and there's not a division between the three. It's just the human being and that's all you need to worry about. The dichotomy believes that there is, there is a body and spirit or the material and the immaterial. And so I want to share with you that I'm going to go to the next slide that all three have truth in them. And if we pick out the truth of all three based on what God's word says, And we get a pretty good picture of what we're to believe about the body, soul, and spirit. Now this is interesting because most Christians have never given it that much thought. What's the difference between the body, soul, and spirit? Why is it important for me to understand these things? Today, you're going to see why. Because God wants to work a complete work in you. He doesn't want to leave it half-started. He wants you to know that you can live at a higher level. So watch this with me. In that first upper level, you see that man is one in nature. We are one in nature, and in truth, we are a human being, one person. That means I'm not two people. I'm not two distinct entities. I am one person. I'm a human being. And there's integrity in the way God created me. You go to the second part, we have two dimensions though. What do you mean by two dimensions? You have a a physical world and then you have a spiritual world. Some might say you have the material world, the matter, the things made up of matter, and then you have the immaterial world. Now it's be careful because some say, well wait a minute, everything can be sh- should be about the material and some scientists say, no, 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 every, the only thing that matters is what we can analyze. And everything we can analyze, so everything is part of the material world, right? You say, well, is it true? Well, we'll do this little experiment with me. I want to analyze the I of me. Notice what I just did. I just changed pronouns of me. Because the minute I put the I in a test tube and I look at the I, it doesn't become the I looking at I. I'm not talking about I. I'm talking about the self. The I of self looking at the I of self in the test tube. I am actually looking at the me in the test tube. Does that make sense to you? We're we're speaking philosophically here. I... Put I in the test tube, and the minute I put I in the test tube, it becomes me, because there has to be an I looking at the me, meaning the thing analyzed can't be the thing analyzing. The thing analyzing, which is the I, the ego, is analyzing a certain facet of the ego, of the self, so we know That there is, in fact, something more than just the material, which brings us to the second dimension, which is the material and the immaterial, the physical and the spiritual. You go, Pastor, why didn't you just say that? I just did. We have the matter and the mind. You say, but but is that important? Yes, it's important because I want to share with you that we also operate in three aspects three aspects now listen to me very closely because you have the material or the physical which includes the body go to the second dimension the spiritual it includes three two facets it includes the soul and the spirit now it's important to understand that the soul and spirit are not the same although they they are seeming to be used interchangeably at times because they're both part of the what? The spiritual dimension. And because they're both part of the spiritual dimension, sometimes it's easy to get them confused. But they're not the same. And the Bible makes a very clear distinction. They're part of the what? Spiritual dimension. But they're two different aspects of your being. The soul and the spirit. You say, but... Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. The Bible talks about the soul or the, excuse me, the spirit being the pneuma, the soul being the psyche. Go to the next uh, slide, please. The psyche and the body being the soma. So there's different words for them. Yeah, but doesn't it use it interchangeably? Sometimes it uses the word spirit to mean the spiritual nature of man. But when it really wants to get technical, be in the Bible, it makes a distinction between the soul and the spirit. You say, but okay, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get it. Stay with me on this. The body, which is the easiest to define, is where we have and we relate to the world through our five senses. Come on, what are our five senses? Smell, taste, sight, hearing, and touch. This is the way we relate to the world. This is the way we relate to others. The body also includes our desires or our needs. The body has certain needs. Has a need for what? For food. Has a need for oxygen. Has these different needs. Now, I'm not going to do an all-inclusive, all-exhaustive Uh, a study of the body, but we have a pretty good idea of what the body is. Now let's go to the what? Let's go to the soul. The soul is the psyche, which includes the self, the emotions, the intellect, the will. I capitalize the will because the will is very important. This is what God gave us, a will, a self-determining nature to to an extent. Not not to the extent that he is self-determining, but we can determine certain aspects of our future. What do I mean by this? I mean a thousand people can say no and you still have the ability to say yes. A thousand people can say yes and you still have the ability to say no. You have a will. You also have a conscience. You have an ability to discern between right and wrong, which should lead you to God should lead you to God, at least to reach out by faith to God. But, but you, also, you also have this aspect of evil that takes place in the soul. What do we mean the soul? It's, it's this in the soul where you're tempted. You're tempted to what? Use your will to make wrong decisions. It's, it's the evil one that tries to manipulate your emotions and your intellect and yourself to want what you want instead of what God wants. It's in the soul that demonic forces set up strongholds. We just spent an entire semester talking about strongholds and truly free just a couple of weeks ago. This is where it happens. Now let's go to the spirit. Stay with me on this. The spirit is the pneuma. The pneuma is where worship takes place, fellowship, discernment, and revelation. Do you realize that you cannot worship God without knowing God? I can remember being a young pastor and God kept me by his word, kept me from doing something that I don't believe would have honored him. I was a young pastor. I had just given my life to start this church And I didn't know what to do, so my dad suggested I go to a certain organization. When I went to that organization, they sent me to a consultant. He was going to evaluate, I don't really know what he was going to (laughs) evaluate, but I showed up there and uh, through the series of some questions, he he said, he, he ended up laughing at me. And he laughed at me because I asked her, answered his questions. I was so excited. I said, my wife's going to play the piano. She's been playing since she was a little girl. I'm going to sing and then I'm going to preach. And he said, well, first of all, you're going to say everything you have to say in five minutes. Do you know that? I've never said everything I've had to say in five minutes on this platform. I, I, you know, but, but he said, you're not, you're going to be so nervous. You're going to dump it all out in five minutes and then you're going to be doing the singing you know, what in the world? Nobody wants to see the Robert show because he knew me as Robert Pena. That's my first name. I go by my middle name, Chris. He says, no one wants to see the Robert show. And I said, I'm not giving him a show. I'm going to talk to him about God's word. And he said, no, no, no. Tell me about your worship experience. I said, well, my wife's going to play. And I said, oh, wait, wait a minute. We have these awesome CDs. For those of you who don't know what a CD is, it's a silver thing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. It's a CD and it's a split track, meaning just the music plays and we're going to sing over the music. It was the latest, greatest technology. We were so excited. He laughed out loud. He called his worship leader in. He said, can you get in here? He comes in and he tells him the story. They laughed together. I said, okay, smarty pants. You're the big bad consultant. What should I do? He said, you live next to the music capital of the world. Go into Austin, hit 6th Street, do whatever you got to do. Go in those bars. They're going to show up half hungover, but get them to come play for you and lead worship. And you're going to be horrible at preaching your first year, but maybe one of them, maybe one of them will get saved and that's evangelism. And I'll never forget what I said. I looked in square nine. I said, you cannot bring my God worship if you don't know him. I'd rather have no musicians and pray for those that know him than to go get a bunch of people with talent and have no clue of who he is. You say, is that biblical? Jesus says to the woman at the well, a day is coming and has now come. Why had it now been there? Because Jesus was sitting there with her. It's coming and has now come where those who worship me will worship me. How? In spirit and in truth. And if you are not a Christian, your spirit is dead. Let me say that again. Your spirit is dead. Your spirit is dead. Your spirit is dead. Not my words. God's word. God's word. That's the problem. Too many people give opinions. Go to God's word. I can show you in God's word you're dead if you don't know Christ. Yeah. Spiritually speaking, you're dead. We'll unpack it. We'll unpack it. Stay with me on this. But in case you're wondering if I have anything from God's word to back it up, I humbly submit these verses to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, the Bible says, But people who aren't spiritual cannot receive those or these truths for God's... uh, Excuse me, let me start again. But people who aren't spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds like foolishness. And they cannot understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Over and over and over, God's word says, if you don't know him, you're spiritually cut off. Watch, watch, it's it's here. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, the Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. When you when you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Bible calls that saving faith. At the point of saving faith, you receive the no, the spirit of knowledge and, and the spirit of revelation. It's then that you're able to hear Him. It's then that you're able to worship Him. It's then that you're able to have a relationship with Him. You are no longer at enmity with Him. You are no longer at odds with Him. You are now at peace with the God of peace. That's what happens when a person becomes a Christian. That's what happens. Stay with me. Stay with me. It is possible though, I'm going to make a couple more distinctions before we get into the real heart of this teaching. It is possible for the body to be separated from the spirit and the soul. How do we know this? Because it's going to happen if we die before the rapture. It's going to happen. This is why the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, then the dust will return to the earth as it was. That's our body. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather to be absent from the body. That means, that means the body is dead and we're absent from the body And we're present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. The Bible also says in the book of James, just like a body without a spirit is dead or without a soul is dead, so works without faith is dead. And so over and over the Bible talks about there is going to be this separation between our body and our spiritual nature when we die before the rapture. How do we know this? In the book of Revelations. Chapter 6 verse 9. The Bible talks about the souls of the martyred ones. Are what? Crying out to the Lord. They don't. It doesn't talk about their bodies. It talks about their soul. Their spiritual nature. When do we get our bodies? At the resurrection. At the resurrection we get our bodies. At the rapture you get your new body. If you're here for the rapture. And so. So the reason I make that distinction is because there is a separation between the body and the spiritual things. But once we come over here to this side, you cannot separate the spirit that is made alive in Christ and the soul. You can distinguish and divide so that you know the different aspects of the two, but you'll never be able to separate them. Read with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And do you realize in the Greek, the author here, which I believe is Paul, he goes through a lot of pain in writing this because the words he uses is kind of like, it's so difficult, but God's word is so powerful that you can see the differences between who you are in the self And the Spirit of God that connects you in worship, connects you in true fellowship with Him, helps you discern other spirits and helps you, listen to me, receive revelation from the Lord. Receive revelation from the Lord. Now I want to make one more distinction because so many times we confuse worship in the Spirit with, with the soul. And we say things like this. Worship wasn't very good today. That means you're judging it based on your likes, based on who you are as a person. Can I tell you, that's soulish. But if you want to truly worship, you got to go from the soul to the spirit. Because the spirit is not about you. It's about God. And it's about the God who made you alive, connecting with the spirit of the living God. And so instead of saying, well, worship was this to me, or I like this kind of worship, or I like, it doesn't matter what you like, it matters what God likes and connecting with him on a higher level than just the self. Now, don't get me wrong, the self is a part, but the self shouldn't be leading the show. You should be operating by the spirit and the self follows. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Keep going with me on this. Keep going with me on this because we're going to get to the very bottom of this. Pastor, where did this all take place? Go to go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, you have here a picture of God giving man living spirit. And when he gave man living spirit, he gave him soul and spirit. Now, something I want to share with you about the soul and the spirit. Now, watch this. The body is the lowest order. The spirit is the highest order. The soul is in the middle. The soul is the seat of self. That's you, your psyche, who you are, your emotions, your feelings. Remember, we talked about all that. The soul negotiates between the two. But if you're not careful, you are naturally going to lean in your soul to your flesh. Your flesh is is your body and your soul interacting together in this fallen world. And God says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so what this whole thing is about is is helping you realize there's a higher way to live according to the spirit of the living God. Where you tell your soul, come here. Don't go there. Come here. We're heading heavenward. We've got a higher calling. We're no longer who we used to be. Come on. Watch this. Stay with me on this. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I want you to consider this. God who sits high. He stoops down low and he kneels down and he forms out of clay a man. And from that clay he brought forth our bodies by breathing life into us. And some of us won't pray for healing. When this God with one breath could make clay move breathe And heart pump. We're not talking about just some ordinary God. We're talking about the God. The God. But watch. He breathed into man and he became a living being. Now what happens by chapter 3? Remember? Spiritual dimension. You have the soul and the spirit. Adam had both. He was alive with Christ, with God. He died in his spirit the moment he and Eve ate and disobeyed God and committed sin. How do we know this? It's found right there when she's talking to the serpent. She says, For God says that in the day we eat, and she added something. She said, And even touch, we will die. And what did the serpent say? You will not surely die. he's a liar. And they did die just the way God said. Their spirit was dead and their soul is now gravitating towards their flesh. And that's the human condition. And I could go into theologically how husband and wife come together and the egg of the wife and the sperm of the husband conceive a a living a living being and at the point of conception you have a soul because the soul is found in the blood and the soul is conveyed from parents to to children to, to, to more children to more children And we can get into all of that, but I just want you to know that everything you needed was already present the day your father's seed came together with the woman's. You had everything you needed with the exception of care, food, water, and air. You go, but that's what we all need. Exactly. Exactly exactly what the baby needs in the womb. is exactly what the baby needs after it gets out of the womb. I, I don't want to go, I don't want to get off the mark, but I want to share with you. That's where the soul comes from. And so um, how many of you are familiar with a movie uh, from several years ago? They tried to remake it, didn't do such a good job. I uh, haven't seen it yet, but I didn't I didn't like the review. So I figured oh, I'll just wait till it's free because um, <laughs> I'm cheap that way. But, but uh, it's, a, it's a movie that I truly enjoyed, and the first one was the best. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you that it's theologically sound. I don't even think it's anywhere maybe near sound, but it's entertaining, to say the least. I'm not endorsing the movie. I have to put all these caveats, because people will go off and say, well, Pastor endorsed the movie. He's a heretic. He's this, he's that. No, I'm just, I just watch movies. And while I may be heavenly-minded, I want to be some earthly good, and so I want to be able to relate to you where you were at because the truth is you probably watched the matrix too and in the matrix you have one of my favorite actors lawrence fishburne and he plays the part of morpheus a really cool dude and he puts on his sunglasses and he talks to neo and neo is played by keanu reeves he is the uh he is the star of the show so to speak and he asks him do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? Unfortunately, no one can be told about the matrix. They have to experience. And he goes on to say things like, this is your last chance, Neo. This is your last chance. And then he reaches to a little pillbox and he opens it up and takes out of that pillbox two pills, and he says, I'm holding in my hand a blue pill. If you take the blue pill, you'll wake up in your bed, and you'll be none the wiser. But if you take the red pill, some of you are going, oh my goodness, where did you get those? These are NyQuil. (laughs) NyQuil, NyQuil and DayQuil. Okay, (laughs) right? (laughs) So don't come try to take the pill going, oh my goodness, I'm going to be, you know. (laughs) All right, let's keep going. But if you take the red pill, right? You stay in Wonderland and I show you how far the rabbit hole goes. Can I tell you something? That's pretty cool. But even cooler is God saying, if you take the seed, the seed of life. I show you how far and how high you can truly go, but you can only get there by faith. You can only get there by having me illuminate to you and open your eyes because in your current condition, you are part of a matrix. It's called this worldly system and the prince of the air, the devil is in charge of it. And he has you trapped, enslaved, and completely blind. Because if you are not in Christ, this is what the Bible says. You are blind. You are deaf. You cannot hear. This is why Jesus Christ came and he made the blind see. Because he was pointing from the body to something greater. To something greater. And this is why towards the end of his ministry he starts showing you i'm not just going to heal you physically i want to heal you what spiritually and that's why he says to the man your sins are forgiven and the pharisees say oh only god can forgive sins he hears their thoughts and says well what is greater to say your sins are forgiven or arise and walk my brother get up shake off your mat Carry it out of here because today I made you whole. Today I made you whole and I made you whole in your body. I make you whole in your spirit and your soul is to follow. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, I give you the seed of life. Receive it. See how far it goes. You say, are you sure, Pastor? Well, that's how I read the Scriptures. Read with me in Ephesians Chapter, five, uh, chapter two, verses one through five. And you, he made alive. Who? You. He's talking to Christians. He made you alive. Watch. Who were dead in trespasses and sin. You were dead. If you're not a Christian, you're dead. You can be alive. Watch. Watch in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Watch this. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. We were all there before we became alive in Christ. Watch this. Conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh because without the spirit, we are cut off from God and our soul will naturally gravitate to this fallen world. That's what happens. The lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the mind and we're by nature children of wrath just as the others are. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. He made you alive. Now therefore, You are no longer strangers or foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for the dwelling place of God in the spirit. That means God wants to dwell among you. No, he wants to dwell in you. I wish I had time to unpack it all. Like the colors of the tabernacle. The main colors of the tabernacle are scarlet, blue, and purple. Scarlet, fallen man meets the grace and awesome wonder of blue. The the, the fire of God. They come together and the soul of man is saved. Blue and scarlet mixed together makes purple. And now we are what? Priests and kings. Not according to the old order, the order of the, of the, uh, of the Levites, but according to the Melchizedek order. You go, who was that? He was a king and a priest. He pointed to Jesus Christ, who would be a king and the ultimate priest. And now he brings us into sonship where we... I'm trying to wake you up. Or did you need a pill? Read your word. Read your word. Watch. Watch this. You have been made alive through the seed of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again, not of, imper- of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. What does that mean? It means that Adam condemned us to die. How? The spirit died, and now all we have is flesh and body. But Jesus Christ comes into the world. What did God tell Eve? From your seed, I will bless the world. And the enemy seed will be against your seed. The enemy has a seed, a seed of destruction. God has a seed, a seed of life. Who is that seed of life? Read your word. It's right there. Imperishable seed. Through the living, enduring word of God. This is the seed that brings you to life. You go, this? This is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This word is the word of Jesus Christ. How do you know about Jesus if not through this word? And when you believe this word and you take that seed in, it changes everything. Read with me. Read it. Whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin. How are you reborn? Watch. uh, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can I be reborn? Jesus says you have to be born by the Spirit. How are you reborn by the Spirit when you receive the seed of life? And when you receive the seed of life, which is the word of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God come in the flesh to die on a cross and to rise again for you, for you, when you believe that, watch this, that seed will go into you, remaineth in him, in you, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Wait a minute, pastor. The Bible says that if any man says he is not a sinner, he is a liar in that same book. So what is John saying? Is he speaking out of both sides of his mouth? No, this is what he's saying. He's saying just like Adam once had a spirit that died when he sinned, Jesus now comes into your heart and he brings that spirit to life. You can still sin in your in your own personal decision-making, but you are never to be again corrupted to the point of death. Why? Because once you have been brought to life, you will never die. And the soul has to agree with the Spirit, and that's what life is about. Life is about a walk of dying to yourself, dying to your desires, and living for the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit has come alive in you has been made alive in you through imperishable, incorruptible. It does not sin. It is perfect, and it unites you to God. It unites you to God. That's what he's saying. You go, oh, pastor, I, I don't know if I believe you. Keep reading. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says to the Galatians. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. To the Ephesian church he says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through, the, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, May know that you'll never be the same again. What is he saying? He's saying that when you become a Christian, you get that, that that highest level back. This is what theologians call justification or regeneration. It happens the moment you give your life to Christ, and it's irrevocable. Well, Pastor, what if I have no desire to live for the Spirit? If you have no desire to live for the Spirit, you may not be saved. You say, I don't know if I like that. You're you're preaching scary stuff. I'm telling you, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I can't believe you just came at me with ice cube. (laughs) No, I'm coming at you with, listen to me, with the Apostle Paul who says to the Corinthian church, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith while there is still time. Examine yourself deep does the spirit reveal to me that I am his? It's the only way you can connect with God through the spirit. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to do? This is what I'm trying to do. Salvation is not just a moment in time. It's a moment in time. It's the present and it's the future. Listen to me. Listen to me. (claps) Salvation is a moment in time. But as soon as that moment elapses, it's now in the past. But it's also the present. How so? Your spirit is made alive, never to die again, and cannot be corrupted. Cannot be corrupted. Your spirit. Why do I say that evil takes place in the what? Soul. Because it cannot reach your spirit. So the spirit is regenerated. Your soul is being sanctified. Being sanctified. How? Day by day, moment by moment, situation by situation, dying to yourself, learning to put his will ahead of yours. That's what happens as you become more like Christ. And your body will be glorified when you get your new body at the resurrection. That's salvation. Salvation is huge. It's not just some prayer you made. It's a belief in Jesus Christ that brought your spirit to life. And now that your spirit is alive, your soul has the ability to what? Live for the spirit. Because you can relate to the spirit. You can hear the spirit. I'm I'm speaking to somebody here. You want to know why there's so much depression today? Because no one's teaching this. And everyone is living soulish, down here for the flesh, and it gives them no assurance. And so they carry that weight when God is saying, I made you alive. You have the spirit. And that spirit connects to my spirit and you can live at a higher. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is a mystery, but this is where I finish and we'll be done. In case you think I'm just, I don't know. I just don't get I get it. The flesh is strong. The flesh is strong and the soul naturally gravitates to the flesh, but you've been made alive in your spirit. Turn that soul around and say, No, I'm going to live for the spirit. I get it, it's tough. It's tough just in the area of food. Even my little dog Zorro has a hard time with that. Man, I, I can't stop. You know, never mind, I'm not going to go there. But, but, Let me finish it here, John 20, 19 through 23. John 20, 19 through 23, Jesus shows up on Sunday, Resurrection Day, the first day of the week, to his disciples. Watch what he says. He says, peace be with you. Keep going. The very next verse, he says it again. Peace to you. What did God come to give you? Peace. This is what we're going to detox from, and we're going to talk about peace all all the time. But watch the very first thing that happens in giving you that peace. Watch what he does. I also send you, as my Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Did anyone catch that? Come on, Brady. Come on. Someone help me with this. Jesus Christ formed Adam. And he breathed into him. He goes, well, 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 how do you know Jesus Christ? Read Colossians. All things that have been made were made by him and who? And for him. Jesus Christ formed Adam. He breathed into him life, the spirit of life. That's what died when he sinned. And now Jesus Christ comes back, establishes his church first with his disciples and says, I'm going to breathe on you. That word right there is not in the Greek, the Holy Spirit. He said, I breathe on him the, uh, excuse me, spirit of life. You have been made alive in Christ if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Why would you ever let the enemy manipulate you to living down here when you can live up there? I don't offer you a pill today. I offer you the truth of the living God. It's right here. Say, Pastor, would you lead me in a prayer? I have no problem praying with you, but I'm going to share with you what salvation is. Salvation is you making a decision. I believe it. I believe it to the point that I submit my will to it. That's salvation. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to live at peace. may can. That's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is Jesus Christ offers life. Life in the Spirit. And once the Spirit is alive, then your soul has has something to gravitate towards. Something to live for. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just... Would you just search your heart? And if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm alive in Christ. I don't have that relationship, that fellowship, that point of where I can worship God and have revelation, understanding of his word. I feel like I have a soul, but, but my spirit is not alive. What do I do? Reach out by faith to the loving hand of Christ and say, Lord, right here, right now, I put my faith in you. Make me alive. Maybe you're here today, and you've you've experienced saving grace, but your flesh... Your flesh has been confusing the issue. Just have a conversation with the Lord and say, Lord, I deny my flesh. I die to myself. And by your spirit, I want to live. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Jesus name we say thank you church have a great day I love you I'll see you next week